This is Red Sox Review on WEEI. Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon, the 20th annual. Mike Manansky alongside uh, the great Joe Castiglione, who has been uh, around for all of these Jimmy Fun Radio Telethons. Joe, what's up? What's going on tonight? Well, it was a tough defeat, certainly. The Red Sox uh, wanted some very good pitching. Brian Bayo, his best major league start. And uh, the bullpen was very sharp, too, until that ball Springer hit off the wall in the 10th inning that turned out to decide the game. Too many missed opportunities. And what, uh, 12 men, 10 men left on base, including the bases loaded in the 7th and the 8th. Yeah, and I thought you made a good point uh, in the booth. That was a tough at-bat for Bobby Dahlbeck. And we'll get into what Alex Cora had to say uh, coming up in the post game. Uh, we'll talk about uh, the Red Sox and sort of their future going forward here, Joe. Uh, but I thought Bobby had a big opportunity. He, I think it was the, the second pitch of that at-bat was a fastball right down the middle. And he, he's a guy that's got to take advantage of that. And instead, he let that go and chase the ball in the dirt, just sort of shows you he's still not comfortable at the plate consistently. That's yeah, the, the issue. There were two fastballs taken for strikes and then the slider in the dirt, and uh, they ended up leaving him loaded in that inning. And, of course, they had opportunities in the 7th, 8th, and 10th and didn't cash in. Yeah, I, I thought you mentioned Bayo uh, pitching well tonight. I thought the combination of Bayo and Whitlock, you start to look for – you start to look for positive signs going forward, Joe, because I think the reality is setting in that they're not a playoff team in 2022. I don't put it entirely on one thing. A lot of things happen with this team, whether it was the bullpen, whether it was uh, first base, the injuries, all are uh, reasonable factors. But as you start to look ahead, it just feels like a season where September is going to be for myself, for you, for Sean, for Will, for Red Sox fans, trying to find those not wins and losses type of silver linings and things the Red Sox can build on for 2023. Exactly. You know, you want to see Bayo continue to pitch and maybe go a little deeper. He was very good tonight at an excellent changeup and a good fastball. Didn't get rattled when they had men on base. Uh, did give up a tying run and a base hit to right, sort of a seeing eye hit. But, you know, he's uh, really the future, and he's the best pitching prospect in the organization right now. Perhaps Cassis will come up. We would uh, certainly anticipate seeing him in September. I mean, he hit the, what, single, double, and triple yesterday. Of course, he spent a couple of months on the injured list, which certainly has impeded his progress, but uh, you'd like to see what he can do. And Otherwise, you know, they're going to have to go outside, make some trades, or sign free agents. Yeah, and it's interesting with Cassis. Alex Corr was asked today. He appeared on Merloni, Fourier, and Mego to talk about the Jimmy Fund and about the Red Sox. And I think the Red Sox fans wondered, you know, Xander Bogarts wasn't going to play today, Joe. Uh, Tommy Pham was not going to play today. You know, were there going to be a roster move? And what Alex Cora told the media basically and told the afternoon show was he's not played enough recently here. Like, he missed a bunch of time with an injury. They want to get him some more at-bats. But I'm with you. To me, we're, we're past the date of service time being an issue. They need to find out what they have in some of their players. And the other guy I'd mentioned besides Tristan Cassis, Joe, is Connor Wong. You know, you made this trade for Mookie Betts, which fans did not want to make. You know what you got back in Verdugo. Um, you, you need to know what you have in Connor Wong. You traded Christian Vasquez. Is there a chance that Connor Wong and Ryan McGuire is sort of your catching duo going forward? You haven't given him a long look yet. So I, I'm with you. I, I want to see some of these guys here in September and let High and Bloom assess what he has. And to your point, 
what he has to go get in the offseason. Yeah, well, they go after a catcher. Uh, that's a big question. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, Ryan McGuire's looked very good. Reese McGuire's looked very good of late. And uh, Wong hit a home run tonight. Uh, he had some injury issues. But maybe we will see a lot more of him. Um, where's Christian Vasquez going to be next year? He's a free agent. He's playing well. Oh, did you get the sense? Is that it, looting? You think maybe he might re-sign back here with well, the Red Sox, Joe? Do you get I, that I, feeling? I would. I don't have the any knowledge of that, but uh, I'd certainly be in favor of it. He did a very good job here. Yeah, he was. Uh, it, it does feel like, and, and we'll mention this as part of the broadcast tonight. It feels like some of the members of this team, maybe even Xander Bogarts. Um, They've taken that trade and they've let it wear on them a little bit. You know, Xander is not a guy who expresses frustration very much. He plays through injuries. He plays through slumps. Uh, I think he would have played tonight if Alex let him. But he, a couple times this week, has talked about being frustrated. And, and you get the sense that it's not just the injuries, Joe. It's you traded my best friend. You traded our catcher. How do we go from two games away from the World Series to 60 and 64? and multiple games back for last place in the American League East. And hard to blame him based on the way the season is going. Well, he knows it's part of the business of baseball, but I think uh, you know, he is frustrated because his power numbers are down. I think he's been playing hurt all year since that. Totally agree. For totally agree. Uh, and he's a guy that goes to the post every day. You can't put a number on that. Uh, I don't know if analytics ever show that, but you can't measure that because it is just so critical that you have players who play. And don't sit out when they have a little twinge. Uh, he, he plays hurt, and I think, you know, it's it's a reason why he hasn't hit for as much power given uh, what he did uh, the last few years. He plays hurt, and he's accountable. And, I, again, this goes back to, I'm glad you said analytics, and this will be a big part of the offseason. Uh, and, and we'll get to more of the Red Sox coming up. We'll get to Alex Cora, who spoke after the game tonight and expressed frustration in his offense. But joining us here uh, on the Harbor One Hotline is this again. This is our final hour, amazingly, after two days of amazing stories. Our final hour of the WEI Ness and Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon. Myself and Joe, Lisa Shorbo will close it out later on in the hour. We had a great chance to speak with Ron Darling last night uh, on the postgame show. Uh, you talked with Phil Cuzzy uh, yesterday. We aired some of that here in the postgame tonight. And joining us on the Harbor One Hotline is Jeff Nelson, another one of Joe's favorites. In the umpiring crews of Major League Baseball, Jeff, it is Mike and Joe Castiglione. How are you doing tonight? I'm doing well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. You're out in San Diego, where the Guardians flank uh, the Padres today. Yes, we had a day game today in this horrible San Diego weather. Now I'm enjoying a sunset here on the beach. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. It's only uh, eight ten out there. Uh, well, Jeff, you've uh, been a crew chief for a long time. Had a great career. And uh, during that career, it was interrupted uh, for a short time anyway by testicular cancer. Tell us uh, how that came about and uh, about the cure. Well, I, I, didn't really, um, I didn't really have any pain, and I didn't really know anything was, was wrong. But I ended up uh, uh, just on a whim, checked myself, uh, got myself checked out at Cleveland Clinic in uh, Cleveland, and uh, they said I had uh, testicular cancer, which is a uh, shock to anybody that, you know, just has never had cancer, which I'm sure you've heard a lot of those similar kind of stories. And it, it definitely changes your, your view of the world. Um, uh, I had excellent treatment at Cleveland Clinic and the University of Minnesota Hospital. And I was one of the fortunate ones um, because of, of the generosity and research uh, through 
you know, what you're doing now, because I think they make, you know, people sometimes think that there's one giant cure for cancer and, and the way I understand it and look at it from my own personal experience is that there's uh, a thousand small victories that kind of add up and because there's so many different types of cancer and so many different special circumstances that people go through. And, and so it, it's not going to be, you know, a grand slam home run in one night. It's just going to be a bunch of small victories. And, and that's how, you know, we, we win the battle and, and, uh, and cure people of this. Hey, Jeff, you mentioned that diagnosis at the Cleveland Clinic. I'm curious how, how you took it, how you and your family took it. What, what is that like when you get that news? Especially, like you said, you, you, you weren't expecting it. You weren't feeling bad. There weren't symptoms that uh, this might be there for you. Yeah, the, I didn't experience any pain. Um, so, I, you know, I, I thought I was just kind of imagining things. Um, but it definitely um, puts – it's like slamming on the brakes in a car without a seatbelt. Um, you, you're not expecting it. And, um, like I've told other people, like my sister-in-law who went through breast cancer and survived successfully, um, you know, your, your brain and your emotions kind of run the gamut. You know, you, you're, you're on a roller coaster for, uh, for a long time after that, where you, you're angry. Um, but you also, then you, roll right into a, a mindset where you're going to beat this and you're, you're going to win this. And then you go through the, the feelings of being sad and feeling sorry for yourself. And, and it just, it's just a constant roller coaster with that. And, and I didn't expect that. And I didn't know that um, going into it, obviously, cause it's, it was a, all a surprise, but I definitely, um, I was definitely lucky that I had uh, one of the better cancers to have, if there is such a thing. Um, you know, because I went into um, the radiation oncology unit at the University of Minnesota, um, where I was treated on a regular basis, and I felt very fortunate um, that uh, you know that I was in the condition that I was, by comparison to some of the other people that were really going through um, an even tougher battle. Um, it really makes you appreciate things, uh, and and keeps you from feeling too sad and too sorry for yourself. When do you pronounce cure, Jeff? Um, they do a ten-year, uh, ten-year thing. So, in 2017, they said I was in good shape. Um, I still get some other things monitored, and so I still go back for an annual checkup at the University of Minnesota. But um, in in this particular case, I'm I'm good, and I'm, I'm you know by medical standards, I'm free and clear, which I'm very thankful and very happy for. You know. Did you, you didn't miss much time, did you, umpiring? I missed about half a season. So I kind of made that my full-time job uh, once I got the diagnosis to try to get um, to try to get back on the field, obviously to get cured first, but to get back on the field. Because one of the things that I, I realized and some of people told me is that people don't, for obvious reasons, people don't cancel oncology appointments. You know, and it's hard to get into uh, an, an, an oncologist a lot of times. So, um, you know, uh, I was thankful to get into an oncologist and, and made it my full-time job to try to make sure that I connected the dots for them and, and got samples and tests and, and paperwork and records and everything um, to do because you turn into a full-time patient for your own, your own health. 
Jeff Nelson joining us, Major League Umpire here. It is uh, the final hour of the Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon. We've raised over $3.4 million thanks to your donations here. The last couple days, we'll explain how you can donate some more in just a second, Jeff. I want to get to baseball, but one more on this. I, I, I'm curious. Like I, We've heard some patients and doctors today talk about warning signs and what they tell people now about their cancer and what to look for. In your case, it sounds like there weren't warning signs. There was no pain. I, I guess... Are there things you tell people or are there, are there things you ask people to look out for and the people in and around your family who ask about this type of testicular cancer? First of all, congratulations on a phenomenal job on $3.4 million and, and all your listeners. That's awesome. That is phenomenal because the, the money you raise and the research that's done uh, as a result will affect people throughout the com- uh, country and the world. So that's awesome. Congratulations to everybody. That's, that's fantastic. Um, as far as my particular situation is concerned, um, I didn't have any pain. I had some, um, enlargement, um, but it, everything is gradual, um, when it comes to a body part. Um, so you don't know if you're imagining things or if it's the real deal. And, and so finally I just went in and, and got checked out with an ultrasound. I did not have any pain. A lot of times, um, men have pain. And I was, I was out of the profile of the normal testicular cancer patient because it's usually a young man's cancer. Um, they don't know the cause for it a lot of times. Um, but if you get in um, and detect it early, it's definitely a curable cancer. Um, whereas, you know, 50 years ago, 90% of, uh, from what I understand, 90% of the, the men that had it died. Now 90% of the men that have it um, survive. And so... Uh, again, those are research dollars that have paid off um, in spades over the decades, and and it's a success story in terms of uh, a cancer that's now curable. Jeff, what is this? Your twenty uh, third or fourth year, umpire? Actually, it's twenty twenty five. I, I snuck one in there on you, <laughs> no, but no. you're you're close. I'm impressed. Nobody knows that. Yeah, it's it's twenty five and. Um, yeah, it, it kind of, at the end here, it goes fast. So, um, yeah, just kind of grinding it out here for another season. But, yeah, this is 25, and it's hard to believe. Yeah. Congratulations to you, Jeff. That's an amazing number, uh, 25 years. Unfortunately, there are fans out there that want you replaced with robots. Is Jeff Nelson okay with the robots taking over as umpires for humans? <laughs> it's a fair question. It's a good question. Um, as a human being, <laughs> as a human being, I'm always going to be – I'm always going to be partial to humans playing the game, um, humans watching the game, and humans umpiring the game. Um, part of the beauty of baseball is, um, you know, is uh, a team that's ahead, a team that's behind, the imperfections, um, the nuance, all those kind of things. And, um, you know, I, I don't want to see the game so antiseptic and overanalyzed that, um, that it just takes everything out of it and uh, and it's just so clean, quote unquote. Um, but I also know that um, there's a lot of scrutiny and a lot of uh, pressure and uh, money riding on everything. Uh, so there is a push uh, to to try to put in machines that ostensibly can uh, be perfect. Um, I don't think they are perfect, but that's a whole nother discussion. Uh, so I'm partial to machines. I mean, so, sorry to humans, oh, but I understand that, that Jeff Nelson yeah, says the machine. Yeah, almost Let's there. Go. Yeah, machine. 
I'm partial to humans, um, but but I understand that there there is a push to machines in some way, shape, or form, and you know, and and down the road, I, I think uh, you know it's sort of like <laughs> it's sort of like the Manhattan Project. There's there's man there's momentum to try it, so you know we'll see what happens. You ready for a pitch clock? Uh, that's complicated in in all its details, but I from what I see and hear, I think that's going to be a great thing for the game. Um, but it's going to be a huge adjustment at the major league level. But I, but I really think at this point um, uh, we need to kind of hit the reset button, and I think it'll be a good thing. Um, to kind of pick up the pace um, and and give fans some more action and some more um, movement to the game and and to watch something where it no longer becomes a, something to have on while you're ironing your clothes and it becomes something where you watch the game uh, in an active manner. Yeah, I as, as someone with young kids who I, I want to be interested in baseball, I, I'm with you. The game's got to find a way to speed itself up and kind of catch up. Unfortunately, Jeff, with the technology and where things are going and the pace of lifestyle, I, I want to thank you and, and for coming on and talking with Joe and myself and, and Jeff telling your story uh, while you're trying to enjoy a beautiful sunset there in San Diego. We hate to interrupt you, but uh, some really great words. And uh, certainly, I know Joe speaks very highly of you and the, the work that you do. And uh, thank you for telling your story here tonight as part of our telecast. Thanks for having me on. And what you, do, you guys are doing is phenomenal. So uh, thanks. I appreciate it. Thank you, Jeff. Hope we see you before the end of the season somewhere. Likewise. Take care, Joe. Best wishes. Jeff Nelson, crew chief, Major League Umpire, joining us here on the Harbor One Hotline. Uh, diagnosed back in 2007 with testicular cancer. I guess 10 years free means he's cancer-free. And uh, sounds like he's doing very well, which is great for Jeff. And uh, it sounds like an umpire that you are okay When I'm sure there are some guys, Joe, you don't have to say their names. When you get that lineup card, you see them behind the plate, you shake your head and say, oh, crap, this guy. Sounds like you don't mind when Jeff Nelson no, I has love to play for Red there, Sox because he, he's a very fair guy. Uh, he runs a good game. He's a big, strong guy, so no one's going to mess with him. And uh, he really has a wonderful temperament uh, for umpire. He's not trying to be the center of attention either. Well, we will uh, continue to talk Red Sox and about the Jimmy Fund. Lisa Sherber, uh, who's with the Jimmy Fund for a long, long time, is going to join us. Uh, she is so special to what they do. She will join us later on the hour to close this thing. I don't want to hear from Alex Cora. He spoke after the Red Sox game tonight. And I want to tell Joe about what Rich Hill had to say today about what, he's, what, what he might be planning for 2023 and get Joe's reaction to that after I tell you that we still need your help. Right now, our, our tote board is rung up there at $3,453,020. We need to keep going, folks. We'll go through midnight tonight. Uh, obviously, if you can't donate by midnight tonight, you can donate anytime. But these two days are so, so important to what we do, not only for the research side of things and help these doctors, as Jeff said, find different ways to treat different types of cancers, but to help folks like Lisa and Molly and the folks at the Jimmy Fund and Dana-Farber help them support the families that are going through this very tough time with all sorts of, uh, quite frankly, very cool things they do for, for kids that are involved and we need you to donate, 877-738-1234. You can text KCANCER to 2222 for a $25 donation. comes right out of your cell phone bill. That's KCANCER to 2222. Or you can log on right now to jimmyfund.org and set up a monthly donation plan.
We'll hear from Alex Cora. We'll talk to Joe about his long-term experience with the Jimmy Fund as well. It's all ahead here. It's Red Sox Review and the Jimmy Fund wrapping it up here. Mutt and Castig on WEEI. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to tunein.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and ATT at tmobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allow 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Studios at Fenway Park, the final 30 minutes or so of the WEI Nesson Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon, the 20th annual. Mike Manansky alongside Joe Castiglione. We'll get Joe's thoughts on what the Jimmy Fund has meant to him. I know Joe has been a big uh, champion of what the Jimmy Fund has done here uh, the last 20 years. I think one of the few people that can say he's been here for all 20 of these Jimmy Fund radio telethons, and I want to talk to Joe about that experience. And, of course, Lisa Sherber, who hopefully you've heard or seen the last couple days here, uh, so special to what the Jimmy Fund does for their patients at the Dana-Farber Clinic. She will join us for the last couple of minutes, and we'll give you a final total and explain to you how you can donate here all night, uh, throughout the night, uh, and going forward here to this unbelievable cause. But I did want to play a couple of minutes. Alex Gore, this is Red Sox Review Joe. Might as well talk a little Red Sox baseball. Alex Gore, the Red Sox skipper, he appeared today on Marloni 48 Mego and, and said, look, we're still, still sort of in this thing. Then after the game tonight, you can tell frustrated about the offense. Here's Alex Gore in the postgame following a 10-inning loss, 3-2 to the Blue Jays. Didn't make contact. Uh, didn't guy, get guys over, so... A tough one. I think it was 0 for 8, right? Left a lot. Um, and we had some good at bats, but then when it matters, you know, um, we didn't make contact and we paid the price. It was excellent. Yeah, that was, that was good stuff. And um, we, we felt in Houston he was turning the corner. Uh, like talking to other starters and understanding how it works here. He can't just stay in one side of the plate, you got to mix it up. And, you know, from from pitch one, that was electric. Uh, we contact, swing and misses, four seamers up, change up. So he was really good. He was really good. Yeah, it, in the second part of the game, right, that's when he started using it. They made some adjustments, got to some pitches down and in, and Bushy, you know, went out there and talked about mixing it up. And uh, he started using the changeup, and he started using the four-seamer. Uh, that strikeout to Chapman, I think it was, right? 0-2, four-seamer up at 97, 98, swing and miss. So, you know, he, he's learning. He's doing a good job. Um, you know, um, that's a tough lineup, and you know, two, it was two runs, five innings. And you know, I know it got tough at the end, but, uh, you know, a lot of weak contact, a lot of ground balls. And he, he's, he's doing an outstanding job preparing. He's learning. There's a lot of communication. He's asking a lot of questions, which is great. And uh, the guys have, em- have embraced him. I think it's just the same before the beginning. I remember, you know, 
Yeah, we, we were talking about uh, when I took him out. <clears throat> yeah, he hasn't pitched five innings in a while, right? Uh, before we call him up. And, uh, you know, he wanted more, of course. I, I, loved, the, I loved that. And uh, I told him, you haven't gone five in like two months or three months. And he smiled. I told him a lot different than the first one against them, right? That like the first one, what was it? Like infield, infield single, and then the ball hit the bag, and a lot of stuff happened in that first inning. But then he pitched well the rest of the game, and uh, you know, he he's a good one. You can tell, you know, he's uh, just slowly but surely he's becoming a guy, and uh, we're we're very happy that he's gonna have some bumps in the road. Of course, yeah, but. I think he, he understands what it takes to pitch at this level. It just is tough. It's 97, and then the other one, and, and the action is, is similar. But, uh, you know, big leaguers will make adjustments, and we got to go to other places, and he did. You know, he used the four-seamer to keep him honest, and you know, that's why, you know, five innings, five pretty good innings for us. Seven times in the last We have struggled offensively for a while. I know people talk about pitching and, and defense, but offensively, we haven't done much in a while. And, uh, you know, the swing and miss, chasing, if you start looking at where, where we rank since uh, June 27th, it's not pretty, you know. And, uh, you know, it's, it's late August, and... It, we, it's the same at bats, you know, and as a group, we, we have to take pride in that. We got to be better. Uh, we got to make sure we send strikes. We got to make sure we put the ball in play when it matters, and we haven't done that in a while. You know, Nathan, you're a change of things, but what are you playing for Bayo, do you think, for the, for the rest of the year? Can you get him in five days up here? Um, he'll pitch. Um, when is it? When is his next one? You, you count, and he'll pitch. He'll make his next one. Yeah, we got. Uh, we got Waka, Rich, uh, Pivetta, off day, and he'll make the, the one in Tuesday. No, no, we don't have an off day. Yeah, so he'll make that one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 he'll make a regular, regular rest. He was good. He's a good athlete, and he has a good arm and a good footwork. No, the the thing is, you know, like with everything now, with shifting all of that, it's not a different angle for him. And uh, the arm plays, and he did an outstanding job at short. You know, some different ground balls with a guy that is gonna get get ground balls. And um, you know, Bobby, he's been a good defender for a while. Uh, he was the best defensive third baseman in college baseball when he was playing in Arizona, and obviously he's playing first base now. But uh, in that side of the the, the uh, the diamond, he's he's solid. He's solid. He he was amazing tonight. Been only a couple of days, but the at bats from Frankie better than what you're seeing when he was here last. Yeah, better going the other way. Um, just uh, no panic with two strikes. Uh, being able to drive the ball the other way. So that, those are good signs. Red Sox skipper Alex Cora after a three-two loss here at Fenway Park. Mike Bonanski, Joe Castiglione, Red Sox review and. Wrapping up the final, the two-day WEI Nesson Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon hours here, both on WE and on uh, WEI and on Nesson. Just sounds like Joe, a guy. He's upset, frustrated, but I, I, I think he's resigned to the fact that this team 
is not a playoff team this year for a lot of reasons, and I think he'll be okay managing them that way the final you know, month plus. I think he knows uh, what he wants to see. He wants to see more of Bayo. And, uh, it, I do, too. He deserves more starts. Yeah, he, he was very good tonight. I mean, he hit 97. He mixed it up, and I thought it was interesting And Alex said that uh, Dave Bush went out there and told him to mix it up and uh, stop. He, he's got a great sinker, but he needed the high rider, and he got some strikeouts on that. He has seven strikeouts in five innings, and I think uh, this is a really good uh, – situation for some hope here when you get a young pitcher like that because Red Sox have not developed young pitchers uh, for a long time I mean you can look back to Clay Buckholz and uh, it's Clay John and John Lester. that's it yeah. that's it's a sad state of uh, the franchise they've traded some guys Michael Kopech was part of the Chris Sale deal we'll see what he ends up being but they they have not done that you're right not a homegrown guy but one of your favorites Rich Hill we know that Rich Hill was there he was going to catch one of your first pitches there uh, that night but he had a rehab start um, so I, I was curious with Rob Bradford, I've already com. Maybe we'll talk about this on the pregame show tomorrow. He talked to rich today and apparently rich, uh, Joe, he's thinking about next year at age 43 doing the Clemens thing, only pitching half the year. His son, Bryce is playing baseball right now. Spend the first half of the year getting ready for the year and hanging out with his son. And then like Clemens in 06, 07 pitching the second half. Do you think that works? In 2023, what what do you think about that first reaction uh, of your guy Rich Hill wanting to pitch half the year? Interesting stuff. Well, he's talked to me about that, and oh, uh, so you had it first. Because <laughs> well, Stig had it first. <laughs> I didn't uh, publicize it, but uh, you know, I didn't know if he wanted it out there. But uh, it's a situation where you have to have the right mix. I mean, you have to have a team that has the need in midseason. Yeah, uh, I think Rich can do it because he's the disciplined guy. And uh, maybe uh, he would be more effective uh, pitching half a season because uh, not only because of his age, but, you know, just the wear and tear of pitching. Uh, but it is an interesting concept, and teams usually need help at midseason, right around the All-Star break this, or thereafter. This team did. Yeah. Going to love to see a guy like Rich Hill show up with a fresh arm at 43. Uh, I think of a team's if it's a contender, and the players on that team are okay with the, the guy being there. And I don't know if the team would sign him ahead of time or he'd see sort of like a roving free agent, maybe pick his own spot there at the end. It is interesting. I think it's I think it could work for Rich Hill uh, and give him a, that, that family work dynamic. So I, I'm sure he'll be asked about it tomorrow. Good job by Rob uh, to get the story. Although we find out now Joe had it first. Joe's got all the stories first. <laughs> well, you know, if it happened here, it'd be great for Rich because uh, he lives here, uh, of course, grew up here. And it would be give him a chance to be around Good his point. family yeah. and, uh, you know, come back for maybe two to three months at the end of the season. Uh, but you have to have the right mix. The team has to have the need at that time. And, of course, he has to be physically ready at that time without, you know, competition for the first three or four months. Would he go to spring training? Who knows? Uh, well, that, that's a great question. You can read some of Rich's comments at com. Rob just posted the story. He also talked to Rich for the Bradfoe Show podcast, so check that out when it drops tomorrow. Uh, we're in the final segment coming up of the two-day WEI Ness and Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon. Uh, if you're a fan of Rich Hill, you're a fan of Joe Castiglione, you have not donated yet, I'm asking you, please, one, one or two more times, pick up that phone, 877-738-1234. Uh, you can text K cancer, the letter K and the word cancer to 2222 and make a $25 donation to the Jimmy Fund directly from your cell phone bill. Or 
You want to make it very easy on yourself, set up a monthly giving plan at jimmyfund.org. We'll talk to Joe. We'll talk to the great Lisa Sherber coming up in the final few minutes of the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. Do not go anywhere. Radio Telethon, Mike Manansky alongside Joe Castiglione uh, and the director of fun, Lisa Sherber of the Jimmy Fund Dana-Farber Clinic. Nice enough to join us. Her 19th appearance the last two days, Joe, here on the Jimmy Fund Radio Telethon. Lisa, you only, it's only a couple minutes left. Yeah. I, I said 15 minutes. I'm only making you five minutes here. Tonight. Okay, perfect. Six to midnight you've been here. Huh? Yeah, we're 6 a.m. to midnight. Incredible <laughs> energy uh, that you have. And I, you've, you've talked about a million different things the last couple of days. I, I have to bring up, Joe, something you just brought up, Lisa, and that is, and I had not thought about this till you said it, because of the pandemic, you work so closely with patients and their families, but in this event, these last two days, you saw people's face actually for the first time. Is that, is that true? Yes. I mean, we're all masked in clinic, and so what was good about being at Fenway Park, we're outside, so that yeah. was wonderful. Um, and so kids were kind of just coming into the park and I'm looking at them. I'm like, oh, there's your face. And they didn't recognize me right away. <laughs> they had to wait for almost my voice or maybe my laugh. But it, it's just, it, it kind of, it made me sad a little bit because it's, you know, it's sort of taken a little bit away. But then it's, it's all good. You know, I just feel like it's one of those things where these kids have a, an ability to touch your heart without seeing anything. You know, I think it's sort of, um, it's been an amazing two days. What are the emotions for you? You've done this how many years now? This is the 20th. I was there. You've been here for first. all 20. Yeah. You've, been there. You've been at the Jimmy Fund and the Dana-Farber for 30. So yes. doing the math here, you're, I, you started when you were six? Yes. Is that possible? I know. It's possible. Weird <laughs> they let you work at six. Yeah. Um, 20th. 20th. Yeah. Lisa. I, I remember the first, and it was just a very small kind of thing, and we just thought this is Where really, was the first? It was, gosh, I think it was at it was at Fenway, I think. Yeah, it was what was that goal? Three fifty. Yeah. Three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. So I mean, it was just small and and lovely, and you know, it was and I one day. Those kids on there. EMC club. You know, they made such an impact, and um, and I just these past two days watching these kids, and we get to see a lot of survivors come back because of the twentieth, and listening to their stories, and just seeing how much they've grown up and how much their cancer and their experience has changed them forever has been an amazing thing you know my emotions are up down all over the map today it's been a lot of laughter some tears but really just a lot of just hope and a lot of joy and just a lot of feeling grateful of where i am and i'm my ability to be here and be a part of the lives of these families um it's just it's huge and so I'm just so grateful for EEI and Nesson to sort of be doing this for 20 years. I mean, this is a huge commitment you guys have done. Really, you've just you've signed on to something that has just changed the way we do medicine, changed the way we treat our kids, our adult patients. So it's really huge. I, you know, in 20 years, I see the differences. I see where the money goes every day. Well, it's, it's uh, just thinking of it now, we have two of the probably a handful of people that have done all 20 of these, both Joe and, and Lisa here with us today. And the commitment, you say the station and TV, how about the commitment? I'm sure there are people out there that have donated yes, every 20 yes. years. And you say hope. I mean, I, 
I have to be honest. You sort of wonder, are people going, I, I think this, are they going to donate again this year? They donated last year. Are they, mm-hmm. they going to donate? We'll have a total here in a second that is going to be over $3 million yeah. again this year. That is miraculous to me, the generosity of the listeners of Red Sox Radio, Red Sox TV, and, and fans across the country. Yeah, and I think cancer has touched everybody. Everybody. And I, and I just think it's one of those things where, you know, when you listen to these stories, they're, they're just touching you. They're just, if you don't donate, it's like, I just wonder what you're waiting for. Like, what is it? Because I just feel like, you know, any, any dollar really does make an impact. And I just think it's such an easy thing to do. You know, and I just think these kids, when they tell their stories, they're opening up their hearts. Yeah, it's, uh, it's amazing. And the work that you do, everyone who's been on the air today and the last couple of days has thanked you. Uh, I, I know that the patients and families thank you. We certainly thank you, Joe. I know you've seen up close the work that Lisa does with the families who actually say things like, it's fun, go get cancer. Yeah, exactly. Crazy. We heard that several times today. And uh, Lisa always picks the cutest, most articulate kids to come on the air. They really make an impact. Their personalities uh, generate, I think, generosity from people. Yes. I mean, I just think it's they've, they've got something. They've got this it thing. And it's really, it's easy to find kids to do this because everyone who walks through those doors, I think there's something magic about them. You know, so I think we think someone's super shy and then they, they come on here, they put the microphone in front of them and all of a sudden they just say something that they like. So you just never know. It's just uh, amazing the work that, that you guys do. Um, I've got a chance to be there a couple of times. Um, I think we speak for everybody listening. Thank you for what you do, Lisa, uh, and your staff, and what you've done for 20 years. I'm very proud. I hope you feel proud. Oh, you and Molly and everybody else are sarcastically berating me off the air. <laughs> I hope we, you feel proud. We love every second of this. We really do. Joe, 20 of these to highlight every year and uh, you know we've made so many great friends on patients that we've seen over the years hopefully we can get back to these visits with the players and uh, not possible during COVID obviously so many friendships that way relationships you know we've been part of some of the happy stories some of the sad stories just because of uh, being in the right place at the right time and uh, to see Red Sox personnel and the players especially get so involved with these kids yeah. and uh, form these bonds. I mean, whether it's Mo Vaughn or Brock Holt or Nathan Evaldi, a current captain, uh, there have just been so many. And many of the stories, of course, never are publicized because the players right. want it that way. Um but it's a relationship that uh, there's nothing like it in sports. There really isn't. And I think that's so special. And I think the families in the Jimmy Fun Clinic and Dana Farber, they realize how magical this relationship is. And I think they feel incredibly grateful that the Red Sox and they, that they're just a part of the family, which is really cool. Well, uh, we want to keep you, we want to tell you to keep donating at 877-738-1234 and at JimmyFun.org. But unfortunately, we have to sign off here. Uh, some thank yous before we do. Thank you to my WEEI teammates and the Nesson crew on the air helping tell amazing stories the last couple of days. The crew behind the scenes, which never gets enough credit. Production, TV, radio, uh, making us look and sound good. 
the Jimmy Fund support staff, you know, led by Lisa and Molly and her team, what they do planning for this two-day event, and then executing it on that day and making it sound so good. You folks don't see how hectic it can get behind the scenes because Lisa and Molly and her staff are so good. The sponsors who donated their time, their money, their promotion to talk about this special event. The special guests, Joe mentioned the Red Sox, the athletes, uh, the actors, actresses who came on and, and told stories and spent their money and spent their time with this event. The doctors who explain what your donations go to and what you are getting advancements in when you donate your dollars. The patients and their families who I cannot imagine how hard it must be to tell the world your stories and to stay positive, showing a strength that, quite frankly, is beyond belief. And lastly, lastly, and I'm sure I'm missing people, so I apologize. Uh, thank you to you, the listeners right now, and the people who have donated, uh, helping to save lives with cancer research and uh, to let people like Lisa have the funds to do special things for Jimmy Fund patients. You folks have donated, as of midnight tonight, $3,517,188, over $3.5 million. Thanks to you folks out there, once again, for a 20th year, opening up your wallets and your hearts and donating to such an amazing, amazing group at the Jimmy Fund and Dana-Farber. So thank you so much, those who listened, those who donated, those who helped along the way. If you've not donated, like Lisa said, what are you waiting for? 877-738-1234, jimmyfund.org. Lisa, Joe, 20 years. Congratulations to you both. Thank you, Mark. Great we'll job, Mark. Year number 21. Doug Lane, thanks for sticking around. Joe back in studio. We will sign off saying thank you, folks, as you've donated $3,517,188 to the 20th annual WEI Nesson Jimmy Fun Radio Telethon. Have a great Wednesday evening.